Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Hey everyone, Pastor Hendricks here. A very quick thank you to those of you who have listened or watched our sermons either on our podcast or on YouTube. It's such a blessing to know that you are, are hearing God's word and by his grace growing in it as he promises. As you know, COVID has reduced our in-person attendance this year, which also means our offerings are also down. As a result, we're only about 75% to our budget this year. Normally at this time, we're about 90%, and then we do our catching up at the end of the calendar year. Well, it means we have a little bit more catching up to do this year. And as you know, the work of the church continues. In fact, we've offered more services this year and, and really done more things than we ever have before. So I would ask that, that you would prayerfully consider your giving at the end of this calendar year uh, in the weeks leading up to Christmas and, uh, and the end of the year. If you've already been giving uh, either online or, or uh, through, through uh, an online donation or checks, uh, thank you so much. Um, if you haven't, you can set up an online um, payment, a, a reoccurring offering on our website at faithlutheranoregon.com slash online giving, or you can go to our homepage and you'll find a link right there. Again, thank you so much. Uh, may God uh, continue to sanctify you in his word, the one thing needful. God bless you with the rest uh, of this church year and the rest of this calendar year. Concerning the times and dates, brothers, there is no need to write to you. Paul says in our epistle lesson to the Thessalonians. Indeed, we don't need to be told that our world is in crisis. Global and local events cascade into a rapid succession of actions and reactions there is deep fear in these times and days. They bring us to the verge of an unknown future, and the future is out of our control. Note that the background for Paul's text, his letter to the Thessalonians, is the political and religious cultic life of the city. God and country, or at least God and emperor, were one and the same for the majority of Rome. The Roman imperial cult of Paul's day promised peace and security as part of the Pax Romana propaganda campaign to back up and beef up Rome's military might. Just put your trust in us, the powerful military of the Roman government, and I, your emperor and God, will keep you safe and protect you. Everything will be okay. So do whatever you want now. At some point in the future, if we just beef up our military, everything will be okay. And this is nothing new. We want control. We want promises of peace and security. Our whole society right now is dependent on at least one promise of security that will maybe come in a couple of months. We are control freaks, and if something is beyond our control, we lose it, and we get discouraged. But Jesus' answer to our out-of-control future was to tell the early Christians, Behold, I am coming soon. 
And the way that many in Thessalonica at least interpreted Jesus saying was that Jesus would return in their lifetime. Jesus promised them eternal life. But then people in the church started to die. And so some people started to make wild predictions about what was keeping Jesus, what was holding Jesus up, why Jesus was delaying, and when he would return. Because this gave them a sense of control in an out-of-control situation. So Paul reminds them that you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, if you've ever been robbed, it's an awful feeling because there is nothing you can do about it. You have zero control. But ironically, Paul uses this, this example to comfort the Thessalonians. Because if you know a thief is coming, then you don't need to worry about whether or not it's going to happen. You're prepared. My dad tells a humorous story about when he was younger and he and some of his buddies went on a vacation out west uh, and uh, their car was robbed in the middle of the night while they, while they were staying in some motel. But for whatever reason, my dad decided to put all their money uh, in, I think, a Pringles can and, and shoved uh, some, some socks uh, in the top. Well, the thieves dug around in the car uh, for the money and anything else valuable, but of course they didn't want a Pringles can of socks, so they didn't get uh, the money. And so it was either by luck or, or maybe brilliance that, uh, that uh, they, they kept all their money. And Paul's point, and Jesus' point in our gospel as well, is that we are not to be caught unprepared. We're not to be caught unprepared on either the day of the Lord's return at the end of the world publicly or the day of the Lord's return in our own personal lives. We dare not think it's never going to happen to us. The Lord's never going to return. I'm never going to be called home to heaven because it will. And it could happen at any time. We are to be prepared. We are to be vigilant. We don't know when the Lord will return, but it should not surprise us that he will return. Like the ten virgins in our gospel lesson, we need our lamps trimmed. Uh, we need our lamps to be continually lit. And to do that, we need to fill up on oil. The Pax Romana lulled people into a false sense of security. And the cares and pleasures of this life pushed God and his gifts further on down the road. You don't need those yet. More important is everything in this life, our peace and security right now. It's the exact same today. How, it, how easy is it to become focused on, on worldly security, worldly health, worldly peace, prosperity at the expense of eternity? And it's an absolute shame that this pandemic has, has scared people into coming to the one place where eternal life is given, even in private. And we need to be vigilant against an attitude that considers church uh, to be unnecessary. But note that this parable that Jesus tells is not a comparison between those inside the church and those outside of it. Because all ten, all ten virgins, have been called to be Christians. They have all been called by God. And they all fall asleep. This is a warning for each one of us because five of them think they've got everything under control. 
Now, even if you are wise, you need to be awakened. In our gospel lesson, all ten girls fall asleep. But at midnight, a cry is heard. Awake, the bridegroom is coming. This is the call of the church. This is what the church and her pastors should be doing constantly, reminding people that the Lord is coming, calling people to repentance and faith and reminding them of the Lord's return, and giving people the oil of Jesus in his word and sacraments. We shouldn't act like we're waiting for some future event because it's here right now. And suddenly the bridegroom comes like a thief in the night, and the foolish aren't ready. They thought they had everything under control, but they don't. They need to go buy more oil, but it's too late. The merchants, that is the churches, are closed. The Lord has come. But the wise, who also sinned and fell asleep, who had their lamps trimmed and filled with oil, that is filled up with Jesus through his word and sacraments, are able to turn to the bridegroom in faith. And because they have the word and sacraments, they know that the Lord is good, the bridegroom is good, and that he is merciful and will let them in. This teaches us about our faith. Faith is not confidence in one's own commitment or earnestness or watchfulness. Faith is confidence in God's promises. Faith is not control. Faith knows that we've lost control, that we've fallen asleep, that we've sinned, that we've failed to keep our lamps trimmed. Nevertheless, faith not only knows that God is coming back, but that God is good. And he will have mercy on us and forgive us our sins when he comes again. So the question to ask is not, am I in control, but do I now hear the merciful cry of God? And if anything, the uncertainties of when we will die or when Christ will return is actually liberating. We don't need someone to tell us there's peace and security because we have it by faith. All we're waiting for is God's merciful call. This morning, we, we just sang the hymn, Wake, Awake. Two verses, and we'll sing the third verse later. This hymn has been called the King of Chorales because of how significant of an impact this hymn has had on the church. It's been sung on this date, the last name of the church here, for, for, for over 400 years to the point where, where this Sunday has been called Wake Awake Sunday. It was written by Philip Nikolai, a Lutheran pastor, in 1597 in Una, Westphalia. Now, that might not mean anything to you except this. There was a plague in Westphalia in 1597. It actually raged from June of that year to January of the next year. Over 1,300 persons died in that city during the pandemic. The parsonage was located near the cemetery, and it was a good thing, because Philip Nikolai spent most of his days there. Every single day, there were multiple funerals. On one day, it was recorded that over 30 people were hurled 
into a grave. And it was in the middle of this, probably around this date, in the year 1597, that Philip Nikolai turned his, his thoughts on, on everything going on around him into meditations on death and eternity in the form of hymns, one of which is Wake, Awake. And the other is How Lovely Shines the Morning Star, which we'll sing next week. And hear what Nikolai himself thought about during this time. This is what he wrote. The true Christian rests assured that if today or tomorrow he should die in the Lord, his soul will be borne up to the holy and blessed angels. He will see God face to face and be gathered with his people. Meditation upon this brings us into the right beginning of the great joy, honor, and glory which shall continue forever. You know, we think of the Lord's return, the last day, as being final. We call it the last day, the end times, the end of all things, final. Yet Nikolai calls it a new beginning. And he's on to something. The day of the Lord's return will change everything. But you need not fear it. This is why I love the historic name for this Sunday. The Sunday of Fulfillment. While the Lord's return is properly the last day, it's not the end. Rather, it's the fulfillment of everything. It's the consummation of the marriage of Christ and the church. When the whole church will be united in body and soul to be with Jesus in life everlasting. For Christians, it's a new beginning. And this means that the certainty you have for the last day is not just hope for the last day, but hope for every last day of your life. The last day of your job, the last day of a relationship, the last day of living in a certain place or certain house, the last day of all this COVID mess, or, or conversely, the last day of your health if you get sick. It is the same in good and in bad. As St. Paul says, Christ died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you also are doing. So let me encourage you now. Whatever uncertainties you are facing in your life, Christ has appointed you for salvation. There's a lot of people who have been living this year like it's one big nightmare. But you don't need to live like you're permanently in the dark, permanently stuck in night, and that the day is never going to come, or, or if it comes, that, that your, your personal Pax Romana will come at some point in the future. In fact, for you who have been baptized, the new day has already come. The dawn is here. The night is, is no longer here. The day has come. God has declared you to be a child of the light. You are baptized to be a child of the day. You are united by baptism into Jesus' resurrection. The gospel writers are very clear that Jesus' resurrection took place on the eighth day. That is the, the, the new day. 
Theologically, Jesus' resurrection was the first day of the new creation. This means that because of your baptism, you are united with Jesus in that new creation. You are a new creation. Your past has been wiped clean, and your future is certain because it is tied to Jesus' death and resurrection. You are united to the new day, the future of your Savior Jesus. Our end, in more ways than one, is Christ. And that is all we need to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.